His clever plan led him to descend the Danube in a houseboat, thereby curtailing land travel and book transport by easy access to libraries from his floating headquarters. By the time he had neared the celebrated defile by which the great river breaks through the Carpathians, he realised that he had misjudged the situation. Disappointing stories told him by the monks of robberies, fires, books given away or sold, gross carelessness, dull indifference, met him everywhere, until, disgusted with his summer's work, he had concluded to end it. Then, at the eleventh hour, fortune smiled upon him at the monastery of Yolok, overlooking an enchanting valley, where through grain fields and vineyards the river L takes its great bend to the southward, and peasants wash its sands for gold. The historic Yolok might well have roused his hopes earlier in the summer, but he saw nothing to cheer his dampened spirits in the bulbed steeples and century-marking shifts of roof and turret, when, on the morning of a hot summer's day, after a night spent in the neighbouring village, he rode up under the lime-trees to the great door and rang the bell. His letters of introduction soon brought the usual welcome from the hospitable monks, ending in an interview with the abbot, a small stooping white-bearded priest with glittering black eyes, who met him in the fragrant garden. After listening politely to the traveller's brief explanation and protesting that the library upstairs was not worth seeing, the polite old man led his visitor by way of several vaulted staircases to the end of a whitewashed flagged corridor in one of the upper gables. There he stopped before a large unpainted door, chalk-marked with fading symbols, unlocked it with difficulty, and pushed it open. I'm ashamed to show you such a place, said he. The dilapidated room, commanding a vast view over the great bend of the river, was lighted by two very high broken windows, through which the protruding boughs of an ash tree scratched and rattled in the wind. Save for a few cheap-looking modern books, the rotting doorless cupboards were all empty. Withered leaves of past autumn scattered the floor, and half-buried a lot of dark leather rolls stacked in one corner. The professor stepped forward. Here is something, he remarked, as leaning down he brushed away some of the leaves. The priest laughed contemptuously. Only our old farm ledgers, said he, approaching the rubbish and staring it with his foot. For you, utterly uninteresting, and for us, not worth shelf room. He pulled out one of the cylinders, undid the thongs, and unrolled it about a foot, pointing out rough blocks of coarse manuscript, with here and there a large floriated initial letter in black. Then he tied it up again and tossed it back upon the leaves. Farm ledgers without the farms, he said sadly. Our lands are gone and so are our books. You should have come here a hundred years ago before they were stolen. Rather out of politeness than interest in the kind of tale he had listened to so often, the professor asked for particulars. It came out of a lawsuit, explained the priest, ending in an outrage. You have no doubt heard of the celebrated Baron Trenk, Trenk the Bandor. Yes, a terrible man. History tells us, you know, that the law meant nothing to him. Yet his lawsuit with us, which began with his grandfather, was decided against us. There was a delay in the matter, and the story goes that Trenk, who in spite of his well-known avarice, was said to be highly educated, agreed to take a certain book out of the library, in part payment of his claim. If so... 
The book must have been, as they say, either bound with gems in gold or very valuable. However that may be, during the proceedings and before the matter was finally settled, our abbot died, and when Trent came to claim his volume, he could not be found. The thing occurred a long time ago, and it seems almost incredible that a book like this could have been mislaid, or if hidden, that anyone would have dared to thwart such a man. But so it happened. The result was what might have been expected. At first, Trenk ordered his pandors to burn the monastery, but finally compromised by carrying off the whole library. Everything that we had was packed up in wagons, which he forced the peasants to supply, and off it went. Had you no redress? asked the professor. The Empress Maria, continued the priest, on complaint by our patriarch, ordered Trenk to restore the books. Of course, he pretended to comply but of course evaded the matter in the usual way. There is our address, he continued, kicking the roll tossed back upon the leaves.